You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. Have you ever had those times where you really thought to yourself, I mean, God doesn't fault you for it, where you thought, I, I just don't see that I'm going to make it through this one. Not this one. I mean, I know God's delivered me in the past, but this one. Now, this is it. This is how it ends. This is, this is, you know what we're in effect saying? We're saying, you know, God, I, I know that you're the God of the impossible. I know there's nothing too hard for you, but maybe this one is the exception. Have you ever received crystal clear instruction from the Lord only to find yourself doubting how it'll come to pass? Well, you can rest assured in knowing that God doesn't hold it against you. In today's message, Pastor J.D. will teach you that while God is indeed understanding, we have no reason not to trust the Savior of our souls. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth in Psalms chapter 114. For all of his idiosyncrasies, for all of his fumbles and and blunders, and all of the times that he would just say something and then think about what he said, right? I know none of us have ever done that, but he just (laughs) blurts it out. And then (laughs) so many times I'm sure he wished... I wish I wouldn't have said that. And uh, But for all of that, you got to hand it to the guy. For just a small window of time, he was looking at this from the perspective of Jesus himself. And what's really interesting to me is, he was on the very thing that they were so afraid of. Right? The water's the problem. The storm is the problem. And for Jesus to come walking on top of that storm was a demonstration of His power over that storm. That's not the only storm. We know the other accounts, at least the ones that were told about. There could have been more. We don't know. So this time Jesus is in the boat with him, sleeping. And I mean the disciples are incensed, like, are you kidding me? And so they wake him up, and and the, the way they wake him up, I mean, come on, don't you care? Don't you care? Really? Don't you care? And Jesus, and I never imagined Jesus being angry in his tone when he says to them, Why? Oh, ye of little faith. I just, I, 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 I kind of imagine it as this, you know, I, I just, I feel so sorry for you that your faith is so little when your God is so big. Why did you doubt? Why is your faith so, why are you freaking out? And then he just calms the storm. I mean, just be still. Peace be still. They're like, whoa, that was really cool. What's my point? Maybe you're asking, do you actually have a point? I do. I have a point. 
The point is, is that God is the God of the storm. God is all-powerful. He has the power over the storm. To me, this is the takeaway from this psalm. And it's something that at first it can seem like a firm grasp of the obvious. I mean, it's sadly become sort of cliche that God is the God of the impossible. Nothing too hard for the Lord. I mean, we say it, we sing it, we pray it. But think about it. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? That storm you're in, that trial you're experiencing, you have a big God. God can do anything. God is the God of the impossible. He always has been, is, and will ever be the God of the impossible. I'm convinced, and I've experienced it in my own walk with the Lord, that many times God will allow the situation to become so impossible, so as to bring me to the end of myself, so that I'm totally out of options. We're actually going to see that here in a moment. I mean, there's nothing I can do. In fact, (laughs) the more I've tried, the worse it got. I mean, even when I prayed, it's like you almost think to yourself, I'm going to stop praying because the more I pray, the worse it gets. I mean, this thing is so perplexing. This thing is so difficult. This thing is absolutely impossible. I cannot see any way that I'm getting out of this one. I'm not going to make it through this one. You know, I was uh, thinking about the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 27. We're going to be talking about that when we finish uh, Philippians chapter 4. The Apostle Paul makes a very interesting reference, uh, one that can be easily missed, because it's right at the end of the letter, and he's you know sending greetings and saying goodbye, and he says, all of the household of Caesar, you know, he refers to them. The household of Caesar? Oh yeah. Do you know what Paul did and how it was that Paul actually got to, I'm not going to preach that sermon, that's a whole sermon unto itself, but very interesting. Here he is in Acts chapter 27, and he is going to be shipwrecked now for probably the fourth time. He has been shipwrecked three times before. And here now he's on this ship on the way to Rome, and there's some 250 plus prisoners aboard, of which Paul is one, Luke is with him, and here they are on this ship, and God basically reveals to him, this ship is going to completely be lost, but not one of you is going to be lost in this shipwreck, in this storm. But what's really fascinating to me in the narrative, and again, it can be easily missed at first read, Luke writes by the Spirit that we, keyword we, had all given up hope. We, all, you know who that means? Paul. Paul, I mean, here's a guy, he has a degree in shipwrecks. 
I mean, one would think, hey, this is deja vu all over again. I mean, I've been shipwrecked so many times, I can write the next chapter in this storm. But even Paul, in this one, loses hope. And here's the thing, he had already had a promise from God that he was going to get to Rome. He just didn't know how. It was no cruise ship. (laughs) But he was going to get to Rome, and it was going to be on this prisoner ship. But he had no way of knowing that it was going to be shipwrecked. And you know the story. I mean, oh my goodness. What God, but God, (laughs) what God did in allowing that to happen, and how many people got saved. And what's really interesting, and this is again easily missed at first read, Paul knew that he had the promise prior that he was going to go to Rome. He just didn't know how. But what he didn't know was a detail that the Lord revealed to him while in the storm on that ship about to be wrecked. He said, you are going to preach to Caesar himself. And so he gets there, he preaches the gospel, and the household of Caesar gets saved. And then when he ends his letter to the church of Philippi, he refers to the household of Caesar that got saved because he made it to Rome. He just had a a layover in Malta, (laughs) the island of Malta, and all of them got saved. I mean, forgive me for just a moment, but it's so fascinating to me. I mean, I just think that even Christian movies miss it. I really think somebody has to do a movie, true to the account, of Acts 27 and into Acts 28. You know what happens when he gets to Malta? I mean, here they're, (laughs) a lot of these prisoners don't know how to swim. So they say, hey, just grab onto anything, the debris from the ship or anything, or doggy paddle, whatever you got to do to make it to shore. So they make it to shore and they're freezing, it's cold. The islanders welcome them, make them a fire. Paul, get this, Paul, is stoking the fire. You know what happens? Oh, a viper just fastens to his arm. Now, out of the fire. And all the islanders are going, oh, I knew it. Ah, he's he's cursed. He's going to die. And they're just waiting for him to die. And what does Paul do? It's like, really? Just shakes it off back into the fire. And then nothing happens. They're waiting for him to swell up and, you know, go into anaphylaxic shock and die. Because that's what, hey, listen, they've seen it a million times before, right? These vipers are no strangers to these islanders. And then when it doesn't happen, you know what they say about Paul? He must be a god. I'm thinking to myself, I mean, how fickle are you? One minute I'm cursed of God, I'm going to die, and the next minute I am God because I didn't die. Well, the rest of the story is that they come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And there's a man there that brings all of them, must have been a big house, into his house, very wealthy guy presumably, And it's believed that after they left and finally made it to Rome, 
that there was this mighty move of God that came out of a situation that by any stretch of the imagination was impossible. There was no way. There was no way. Even Paul thought, I'm not going to make it through this one. I had a good run. Thanks for the memories. (laughs) Is that Bob Hope? That was Bob Hope, right? I'll never forget, my dad used to love Bob Hope. He'd make him laugh, and have that belly laugh, you know, with his Egyptian, you know, accent. (laughs) You know, just, oh, funny. Anyway, sorry, I had a flashback. I'm back with you now. But I mean, really, Paul thought this is how it ends. I'm not going to make it through this one. This is impossible. This is, this is, this is it. (laughs) I ain't getting out of this one. Have you ever had those times where you really thought to yourself, I mean, God doesn't fault you for it, where you thought, I, I just don't see that I'm going to make it through this one. Not this one. I mean, I know God's delivered me in the past, but this one. Now, this is it. This is how it ends. This is, this is, you know what we're in effect saying? We're saying, you know, God, I, I know that you're the God of the impossible. I know there's nothing too hard for you, but maybe this one is the exception. This one's, even for you, you're not going to, you're not going to get me out of this way. Let me bring Romans 8.28 into the discussion, and we'll move on to Psalm 115. Bear with me. Okay. For we know that all things work together for the good to those that love God and are called according to His purpose, which we're told in verse 29 is the conforming us into the image to make us more like Jesus Christ. That's the purpose. Okay. So you've ever been in a situation that, I mean, it is so bad, and your question is, God, I know you're God. I know you're the God of the impossible, but this one is so bad, I don't know how even you could ever bring good out of something this bad. I don't know how you're going to. It's almost like I can hear God saying, oh really? Watch me now. You don't? Oh that? Okay. Oh, it's, it's that bad, is it? Yeah. Impossible, right? Oh yeah, this is impossible. Th- there's no way, right? Yeah, there's, there's no way. And I think it's at those times that God just says, okay, just stand there. And behold the salvation of the Lord. Watch what I am going to do. You'll say. Psalm 115. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name give glory. Here's why. Because of your mercy. Because of your truth. Why should the Gentiles say, so where is their God? But, verse 3, our God is in heaven. He does whatever He pleases. Now, verse 4 is another turning of a corner, and it's a description of their worthless, powerless gods. Their idols are silver and gold the work of men's hands. They have mouths, 
but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, verse 6, but they do not hear. Noses they have, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not handle. Feet they have, but they do not walk, nor do they mutter through their throat. Those who make them, now this is interesting, verse 8, those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. I've heard it said this way, we become like the God we worship. Think about that. We become like the God we worship. This again is what God's purpose is, is to conform us, to make us like Jesus whom we worship, more Christ-like. But this is what happens. It's just the way it is. It's the way God wired us, if I can say it that way. We become like the God we worship. And so too was this true for them then. These idols, these false gods with little g, that they worshiped, they had become like them. Verse 9, O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, verse 10, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. May the Lord give you increase more and more, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's. But, and this is interesting too, the earth He has given to the children of men. <laughs> How's that working out for you? Not well. Verse 17, the dead do not praise the Lord, nor any who go down into silence, but we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. And here are those three words again, praise the Lord. Okay, this is an interesting psalm. And for a number of reasons, not the least of which is that some commentators suggest that this psalm in particular was written by Jehoshaphat. Now, we've talked about Jehoshaphat. We have this account that's recorded for us in Second Chronicles 20, when Israel is up against this great horde, this great army. I mean, it is a, an alliance of nations, the Moabites and these other nations that have come up against Israel. And Israel is greatly outnumbered, so much so that all of Israel has now cowered in fear, not knowing what to do. You know, if you don't mind, I want to, <laughs> this is too good to 
not actually read if you'll you can turn there if you want second chronicles 20 it's an amazing account i mean talk about an impossible situation there's there's no way out of this and jehoshaphat is just pleading with the lord and crying out to the lord and and let me just begin here in Second Chronicles 20, let me get to verse, um, I'll start in verse, yeah, let me start in verse 10. So, now, here are men from Ammon, these are the Ammonites, Moab, the Moabites, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So, they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance? O our God, will you not judge them? And here he, (laughs) with brutal honesty, says and cries out to God, we have no power, we are powerless to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do. Have you ever been in a situation that just seems so helpless? You were so powerless. You didn't know what to do. But then he says this, but our eyes are upon you. All the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite, a descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. Interesting detail. This is very unusual. Usually when the, a prophetic word comes from the Lord, to someone, it usually comes through a prophet, not a priest, not someone from the priestly tribe. So he said, he's now speaking, thus saith the Lord, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you, do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. What? Have you seen the size of this army? You're saying, don't be afraid. You're saying, don't be discouraged. We are very afraid, and we should be very afraid. This is, we are up against impossible odds. Well, here's why you're not to be afraid. The battle is not yours. Thanks for taking the time to listen today to In Spirit and Truth. Pastor J.D. has been taking us through the book of Psalms, detailing the author's messages of hope and pain, joy and sorrow. You may have found today that you identified with the sentiments expressed in today's passage. And if that's the case, we encourage you to explore more. Dive into the Word yourself and ask God to reveal additional love and personal truth that He knows you need to hear today. If you'd like to hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings in Psalms 2, you can find them online at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Are you a part of a community of believers? 
if you haven't yet found a church that you can call home, we'd like to urge you to remedy that soon. A church family can be a source of support, a cheering squad, and most importantly, a group of faithful prayer warriors. This is also a place you can give of your unique talents in support of others as well. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you have a standing invitation to be part of our family of believers. Come join Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. There's a lot to discover at our website, including a link to our mobile app, social media pages, and Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Updates. That website, one more time, is inspiritandtruthradio.com. That's all we have for today. Join us next time to continue learning from the book of Psalms, right here on In Spirit and Truth. <laughs> 